There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I used to hold so much resentment and anger towards my dad and towards my mom. And I realized that they did the best they could and it wasn't enough. And that's okay. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb, and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection, and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the It Ain't Week to Speak podcast. My name is Sam Webb. I'm very grateful to have you guys back here with me today. I'm super excited for our next guest onto the podcast. His name is Justin Davis. Believe it or not, I actually sat down with Justin here in Los Angeles, first time ever doing a, an in-person podcast as opposed to online with Zoom. So that was exciting. Justin's a great guy who does really, really good stuff. I'm going to get Justin onto the podcast today. We're going to talk all things relationships, self-sabotage, what he learned through his past failed relationships, the relationship he had with the term relationship, and uh, everything else in between. But before we get there, I just want to welcome you guys back onto the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for all of your support, whether it's listening to these podcasts or whether it's engaging with us via living.org or buying some apparel or supporting us, booking a program in your school or workplace or just fundraising for us or just sharing the message. We're all very grateful for the support. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about breaking the stigma around mental health and, and saving lives. And we certainly wouldn't be able to do this without your guys' support. So I really want to say thank you. And also, I want to just touch on the fact that, you know, wherever you are right now and whatever you're actually up to, I don't know exactly what you're doing, but I hope you're looking after yourself. Obviously, I'm in Los Angeles. Most of our listeners are probably in either Australia, New Zealand, the UK, the US. You know, the virus stuff certainly hasn't slowed down in some parts of the world, especially Australia. I hope you guys are staying safe. I hope you're practicing a lot of a lot of self-care and just focusing on the things that you can control, I guess. At the end of the day, we can only control so much. And I'm probably the the victim of this as well. I spend a lot of time overthinking and stressing about things that I can't control and you oftentimes spend twice as much time stressing about something before it actually exists or before it happens and it's tiring and it's not helpful. So sorry to waffle on about that, but I thought it would be important to just mention that we're thinking of you guys. Just want to say thanks. We hope that you're taking away some really good insights from these podcasts that they're able to really, really help you in some way in your life or you're able to take away some insights and help someone else along the way. It's just listening just to learn something new around mental health and uh, wellness and life and lifestyles. But enough of that. I was digressing a little bit. So let's just get straight to it. I'm going to welcome Justin Davis onto the podcast. He's a model. He's an entrepreneur. 
he's a podcast host. He's got his own podcast, which goes amazingly well. And uh, he's an advocate of life and travel. So let's get him straight onto the podcast. Welcome onto the podcast, Justin Davis, mate. It's a real pleasure. And, and for the first time, I must add, I'm sitting alongside you right now in human form. I'm used to doing my podcast across Zoom, mate. So talk to me. Welcome onto the podcast. It's a pleasure having you on. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's an honor. It's a privilege. This is also new for me. I think this is like maybe the second episode I've ever had where I've, I haven't met the person that I'm like having a whole show on. So it's going to be good. It's great, man. I've just rolled up into this beautiful location on set here in LA and um, straight into it, mate, with you. And I'm looking forward to this conversation for a number of things. Obviously, to give our audience a little bit of backstory, sure. you've done modeling for, for the better part of 16 plus years. Is that correct? Yeah, 16 plus years. I'm from Chicago, born and raised. I used to live in New York. I've traveled all over the place. I've spent a lot of time in England, South Africa, Australia, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I have agencies all over the world. So I took it pretty seriously, which is probably why I'm able to do it full time. I think a lot of people are so surprised that I'm able to do it full time. You know, So I've always said it's what I do. It's not who I am. You know, and for a long time, I was trying to figure out the fulfillment part because I had the success, but I wasn't fulfilled. Right. And I was like, there's I can bring more to the table. I love to talk. I love to help people. Modeling doesn't offer either. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm like, what, what is it? But even more on, on a personal note, um, I'm a father. My daughter's 13, going on 33, basically. <laughs> I'm recently married. I've been married for a year and a half. My wife's from L.A. And yeah, man. Mate, it's amazing. And uh, obviously everyone has their own journey and it sounds like you've traveled the world probably from the outside looking in. You've you've lived the dream. Yeah, that's very well put outside looking in. The other thing is, is like people always ask me, you know, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to university? Where'd you go to college? And, and I say, I didn't. I always say I went to the school of life though, which is traveling the world. And that taught me probably more than any textbook, any professor could ever teach me. You know, when you go to third world countries and you go to the riches of the rich and the poor of the poor and everything in between, and you get to know cultures and traditions and lifestyles and different perspectives and, and just outlooks on life, that will completely change your life. Talk about like a, just a growth trajectory. Like I've learned so much just from traveling. Yeah, right. And what's been your biggest highlight of going to so many countries? I think just that, just getting to know that there's more than one way to live. We have a lot of things backwards in the States. Uh, it's like a whole nother conversation. But the main thing is, is here, the idea is to live to work. We're so obsessed with money and, and it's greed, really. And when you leave the States, for the most part, they just work to live. Right. It's so like Italy, for example, they shut down for the entire month of August to go on holiday. Mm. The country forces you to spend time with your family, with your loved ones. Like, how amazing is that? How great would that be here? Whereas in the States, you know, we get two, three, four weeks vacation time. If, if you've been with the company for X amount of years, you get more than that. But it's normal to get way more than that outside the States. Even maternity leave, for example, for women in the States, it's on average six weeks. In England, it's a year. It's six months to a year. Yeah, we've got it good in Australia. Yeah. So I've come here from Oz, man, and it's very, very back to front here. And that culture of work and life balance and a lot of people over in the States I've noticed in, yeah. you know, in my short time over here in a couple of years is why do you travel so much? Like mm -hmm. no one really likes to travel. Their, their yeah. form of traveling is traveling interstate. Yeah, exactly. Where, where we love traveling internationally, you know, yeah, all yeah. over the world, mate. Well, yeah. that's, that's good. And we're big... Uh, advocates for people to travel because you get out of your body, you learn how to grow, you get out of your comfort zone. And I, by the sounds of it, mate, you've spent a lot of time on your own traveling. I have, which has been um, amazing and also lonely. 
Yeah. You know, I've, I've been to the Maldives in the most beautiful hotel I've ever stayed at, which was like the honeymoon suite by myself, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, this is great, but I'd rather have my significant other here, you know, but there's been so many places that I've, I've had a mental checklist. Like, I can't wait to bring my future wife here. I can't wait to bring our kids here kind of thing, you know, so I, I keep a mental list. But nonetheless, I'm just extremely grateful to have the opportunity to see the world because, I mean, I don't know if you if you realize this yet or not being in the States, but different parts of the States have different ways of living. So like being from Chicago in the Midwest, you don't really travel internationally. And if you do, it's like Mexico or somewhere in the Caribbean. I remember the first time I was going to South Africa, my mom didn't even know where it was. And then she's like, why are you going to go back? Who cares? You know, it's, it's like, that's the, it's a very like, why would you leave the U.S. mentality in a lot of places in the States, unfortunately. And when you've traveled the world, you're like, why the hell would you stay only in here? There's just so much to see. So many <laughs> great places out there. And mate, what a, what a wonderful opportunity you've, you got to make money, to, to succeed in, in something that you were very great at, mate. And, and everyone who, who's not here is a good looking guy. I'll give it to him. So mate, great work. And let's talk about the transition in your life. Obviously, just recently you started a, a movement or a podcast called uh, Who Can Relate? And this part of your life, you've really been able to, I guess, from my understanding and, and only a short understanding is you've been able to unlock this hidden gem inside of you, which has a greater passion and a greater purpose. Talk to us through that transition from going from, you know, your full-time modeling gig to going, you know what, I need to find something more fulfilling. Yeah. It's back to, you know, I was saying earlier about like the difference between success and fulfillment. And that was something that I didn't really realize that there was a difference. You know, for me growing up, success was just money. How much can I make? And in a perfect world, how much can I make by working very little? <laughs> right. So that was like my whole goal. And once I achieved that, I still had voids and I'm like, something's missing. It's cool to model. It's cool to meet people. It's, it's cool to travel the world, but there was just some type of void that I couldn't really put my finger on. And so I started to dig deep and I just started to peel back the layers and I realized I wasn't fulfilled. I didn't know what it was, but I felt that I had a, a bigger purpose, a bigger calling. And that combined with just internally not really being happy, whether it was in relationship with romantic relationship or in relationship with myself, I just back to the, the things that were missing. And so I dug deep. I threw myself into therapy. I was in therapy already, but I went from like once a month to like twice a week. <laughs> I like really went, went hardcore with it because that was the first time I ever started to get answers to my questions. And I had like an outlet where I felt safe and I can talk. And that opened up so many different things in my heart, so many different things in my mind. And I realized that what I am doing is great, but it's not my legacy. And I really started to think about legacy and to give you more of a timeline and, and specifics, this was, I was like 30. And I also believe for men, there's a click at 30. We can talk about that later if you want, but, but there's definitely like a click. And so I had that click and I'm starting to dig deep. I'm in therapy and I'm getting some mentors in my life and really starting to open up to friends that they were even saying, like, I've known you for 10 years and never knew you like this, you know, because I've been very good at distancing myself to a certain degree where I let people around me, but I don't let them in. Right. So once I started to tap in, two things happened that really were the catalyst of the movement. The first thing was, is, is the last relationship I was in was the most toxic relationship. Not only have I ever been in, but I've ever heard of. I mean, it was really bad. And that just made me think like, why does everything end like this with romantic relationships with me? You know, and, and instead of pointing the finger at the women, I started to, for the first time ever, point the finger at myself. And I realized if I sat down all my exes at a round table, they don't know each other from anything, but they'd have the same negative things to say about me. Well, what does that say about me? I'm the common denominator. 
So I was like, it's time to do the work. It's time to dig deep from childhood all the way up until today. Like what is going on? And so dug and dug and dug and deeper and deeper. And I, and I got all these answers and it was hard. I mean, you're talking about taking a look in the mirror and not running from it as a man. It's tough. Very it's really difficult hard. to do, you know, and, and not just ignoring it, like accepting it, becoming aware of it. And then the biggest thing is applying the change that I was starting to learn that I needed to make. So that was that. The second thing was I mentioned earlier that I have a daughter. So a lot of responsibilities that I, I put on my plate, but the number one responsibility and priority that I always try to father by is, am I going to be the man I want my daughter to marry one day? And that answer for the longest time was hell no. <laughs> not, not just no, like hell no. Like if my daughter's name's Adriana. Adriana, if you see a guy like me, run. Like that was in my head, you know? And I'm like, but I have the power to change that. Like that's in my control, you know? And so those two things, again, ending a toxic relationship and realizing this was a pattern that I kept repeating and then not being the man I want my daughter to marry was the spark and the catalyst to really trying to dig deep. And then I really started to, for the first time ever to think about a legacy. You know, when you're young, you're in your teens and your twenties, you're like, I'm going to live forever. Like you, you really feel that way. And you feel bulletproof. You totally you do. Yeah, yeah, you know? And when you turn 30, you're like, oh shit. Like I probably only have a good 50 years left of like full on, like, you know, health, hopefully knock on wood and all these things. And I'm like, that's not that long in the grand scheme of things, you know? So I was like, if I were to check out today, if something were to happen and God is like, okay, Justin, time to come up. What am I leaving behind? Some modeling photos? <laughs> Just way more than that. Like, and I'm talking to myself in the mirror, like, come on, like we can do better kind of thing. And, um, I read this book called uh, You're a Badass. The author's Jen Sincero. It's the yellow one. Great book, great book. Great book. And it's um, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Living an Awesome Life. Well, that's a great little clickbait, right? It's a great little like, oh, I'm going to buy this. And so one of the things that she said in that book that really resonated with me and put things into a perspective where they seem to be more obtainable, um, she said, everyone is so worried about the what, the when, the where, the how, and the why. Those are the five things take off three and just pay attention to two. What is it that ultimately will make you happy and why? Because that's what's in your control. The where, let God or the universe take care of it. The when, God in the universe. How, God in the universe. Whatever higher powers you guys believe in. But the what is in your control. It's in you. got to dig deep. You got to grab it and then bring it to light. And why? Once I figured out that for me it was helping people, that was my what. Why? It's the only thing that I have ever found in my life, especially being someone who has a hard time being satisfied. I'm a perfectionist, this whole thing. It's the only thing that ultimately was bigger than me. I don't have a choice. I've always helped people, whether it's friends, family, strangers. I've just always been that person. It's like an out-of-body experience every time I'm doing it. And I realized that there's a way to help people understand that not only are you not alone with what I mentioned, growing up with abandonment issues and neglect and always, you know, searching for, for answers and clarity. Um, I'm like, there's gotta be more people out here like that, you know, with adversity dealing with it. And, you know, I have no problem being vulnerable as a man now, but I'm sure a lot of men struggle with it. And then the ultimate thing is, is self-love. We need to practice that way more often than we all do. We're all busy. We all have, you know, crazy lives going on, but where's the self-love? And so, long-winded answer um, comes down to this. I just realized that my purpose on earth is to help people, but I have to help myself first. If I don't help myself, how can I help other people? It's kind of like that. there's a cliche saying of, um, 
you can't change the world if you can't clean up your backyard, <laughs> you know? So very true. So I started to clean up the backyard. Yeah, mate, I love that answer. And I don't think it was long-winded at all because I want to go back a few moments and really dive into a part there, which really triggered something for me. And I feel like would resonate and relate to a lot of people who are listening right now. And when you got a chance to acknowledge the toxic relationships in your life, you know, from a romantic point of view, and you looked in the mirror and you said, okay, I've got to face these demons. I've got to own up to these, the problems that were the common denominator in my life. What was that for you? Oh, there's a lot. The bullet points will be back then. I couldn't be vulnerable. I couldn't be transparent. Why? I was scared to get hurt. Why were you scared of getting hurt? What part of you would it affect you? Anyone that I had let in my life, as much as I've let anyone in, hurt me, mainly by leaving me, abandonment issues. So my father left. There was a moment when I was 17, um, I was living with my mom and she was dating this guy at the time and um, him and I did not get along at all. And he left her with the ultimatum of, when I come, he's going on a trip. He said, when I come back, if Justin's here, I'm not coming back. And she chose him over me, my own mother. So father left. He was never really in my life. So I was, you know, numb to that at that point because you don't know what you don't know. And then now my mom, when I was trying to let friends in, like, like guy friends in, they would leave. Now, here's the other thing too. Let me take some accountability. Not maybe necessarily my mom or my dad, but friends and especially partners and romantic partners too. There were things I'm sure I did that helped push them away. We'll get into that. But when you have that kind of fear of someone leaving you, which ultimately hurts, right? It's hard to invest in anything. Yeah. So what was the feeling though? Like I hear the words all the time, right? So abandonment, people leaving, scared to commit. And a lot of those conversations stop probably there in for the most part of life. But today I want to really dive deep. I want to find out. So the fear of people leaving, what does that do for you when you enter a relationship? In your mind, are you telling yourself, I don't want to get too close and build something too good here because they're probably going to leave anyway? Talk to me through some of that inner critic. Sure. It's as simple as this. I was always in control of the exit door. Okay. Always. And you had to be? I felt like I had to okay. be. I felt like I had to be in control of that. And through therapy, actually recently, I just realized that that idea of control that I thought I had is just a false sense of security. It's not actually control. And if anything, I'm obviously hurting the person that I'm with by not letting them fully in and not allowing love in and giving love at that. that. But the main thing I realized is I'm hurting myself. How deep of a relationship could I have possibly had with no vulnerability on my end? No transparency on my part, no give back. I was just, you know, taking, not even receiving, I was taking. And so understanding that now makes sense. But back then, you know, back to your question, it was just, I had a fear of intimacy, right? I was also very shitty at love. <laughs> I'm just being totally well, it's honest. Pro- it's probably also because of the way you grow up. And if you're not shown love and you're not given love and it's transparent and it's reciprocated, it's really hard for you to understand what love really is. We're all shaped by our past experiences, basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And to piggyback off of that, there's a great quote that I live by, which is, you repeat what you don't repair. Mm, I saw that actually on your Instagram. I was repeating I love that. the toxic traits that I saw growing up. I was repeating the lineage of my father abandoning his father left. And, and there's a whole lineage thing. And is that why you feel that a big part of going into relationships after relationships, them being toxic is because that's all you probably knew how, because you attracted the things that you knew. Like going into relationships for me back then was like, this is great. And I'm so happy, 
but there's an expiration date. I used to think that, like it's too good to be true. Where's the bad day? What's the catch? And so I would be back in control of, well, I will find the catch. I will find the bad day before you do, before you can hurt me. And selfishly, I would rather hurt you than ever even think and fathom about being hurt because I was so traumatized from the abandonment and the neglect. So what I would do is I would self-sabotage in relationships, right? So I would find things that I just really didn't like. In a relationship? In relationship. And this could be, what, just dating someone to, to being in a full relationship with them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Can you give me some examples? Yeah, it, it could be as simple as, you know, I've lived with a couple women nitpicking, like, you're not clean enough, right? You're yeah, not washing yeah. the dishes, or why didn't you do this? And I would think so far into the future. <laughs> so here's an example. Like, I would say, I'm not really sure you're becoming the woman that I want you to be. Like this was my conversations with these women, bless their heart. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm growing and evolving at the same pace as you. And even if it's a little bit slower, it's, it's the pace that I need. And I'm like, but it's not enough. Come on, let's go, let's go. Right? I was such a control freak with the relationship and everything in it, AKA monitoring that exit door. I always had an exit strategy before I would get hurt. And so oftentimes women, again, back to the analogy and the metaphor of, um, if I sat down on my exes at a round table, one of the negative things they would say about me is the control thing for sure. But the other thing is, is they would say, I feel like I'm never enough for you. Like I'm not good enough for you. And I'd always say, no, you are, you are. And they'd say, but I'm not <laughs> because everything you asked me to do, I do it and it's not enough. And then I realized what I was asking only I could do for myself. It's back way early at the top of the conversation when I said I was trying to fill voids with people and for me, trying to fill the voice that only I could fill, I was demanding that from women. Well, no wonder why they didn't feel like they were enough. They can't ever fulfill that void in me. Because that's something that you've only got me. control over. Yeah. My therapist goes, only you can complete you. You know that, right? Has there been a breakthrough for you in that regards? Obviously, in your relationship now, of course, but I'm talking for myself, like the way you look at things and your perspectives. What are some of the tips you've learned? Since, I'm going since- to tell you exactly the day that that happened. It was June 30th, 2020. Wow. I'll never forget. I was in Not the car. Not a year ago. Beautiful. Yeah, I was exactly. So the work never stops. I was in the car and on the phone with my therapist. And when he gave me that revelation of only you can complete you, because I said, my wife says she's not enough. All these women keep saying they're not enough. Like what, what is happening? What's the pattern? And he's like, well, what is it going to take to make you happy? And I'm like, um, oh, man, that's actually a really hard thing to answer. He goes, I know it is. So take your time and let me know when you're ready. And he said, but here's the thing. In the meantime, you have to understand that only you can complete you. Only you can make happy. You had Casey on the show and he had a beautiful quote. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. 
Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um, I don't want to butcher it, but he said, um, there's never going to be external happiness that's going to give you ultimate true inner happiness. Like, I don't want to butcher it, Casey, but it was something along those lines. And, and I was like, whoa, like that's also very accurate as well. So I was seeking external things to make me internally happy. That was like my backwards equation. So June 30th, 2020, I'm having all this, these revelations and I'm like, oh my, this is amazing. And I'm telling my therapist, I wanted to like high five him in the air, you know, we're on the phone and, and I run upstairs and I was like, babe, I figured it out. She's like, what are you, what are you talking, where were you? And I was like, I was on the phone with the therapist and, and she's like, what's going on? And I was like, I'm so sorry. Why are you apologizing? I said, I finally understand now when you say I'm not enough for you. And I realize wholeheartedly now more than ever how frustrating that must be, how demoralizing that must be because you can love to the ninth degree, 10th degree. And I never allowed you to because I was always closed off and I was always seeking external happiness instead of internal. And I said, I realize now more than ever, the things that I was asking and demanding of you, only I can do for myself. So I apologize wholeheartedly, sincerely. She's crying now at this point because she realizes that I realize what she's been going through. She's like, thank God, finally, it's been two years, which is such a long time to, to be dealing with that type of feeling. Like you're not enough for your partner. That's terrible. That's sad. And I said, I'm going to do everything I can to make life a lot easier for you, at least in this department today. And so all these revelations came to me because I was able to be vulnerable. I was able to be transparent. I was able to say, you know what? What's the worst thing that could happen if I either get hurt, if I fail? The best thing is lessons. The worst thing is, is it's going to hurt for a little while, right? There's a, another saying that I love, which is um, nothing's a loss, it's everything's a lesson. And even if it's pain as the teacher, you're still going to learn. In fact, if pain's a teacher, probably going to learn more. You're going to learn more. <laughs> you're going to get more valuable lessons. So when it comes to, the way I was in relationships, 
lack of vulnerability, lack of transparency, lack of being able to articulate my feelings. Because as a man, the easiest emotion to express is anger. Instead of just digging deep and, and asking, why do I feel this way? How do I feel this? Like, where does it stem from? And instead of doing that, we just resort to anger. We start yelling and shaming and, and all this other stuff. And so understanding that now, my job, I feel, is to help other men, especially other people, understand that so much more. Yeah, wow, mate. That's very true. And I think the power of those honest, hard-hitting conversations, the vulnerable conversations can be life-changing. But I think when you have revelations like that in your own life, the impact is unquantifiable and that it's helped other people in your life. You're so right. And that's something that I realized as well as like, again, it's back to you can't change the world if you don't take care of your backyard. For me, I thought I was helping people, but deep down I was not helping myself. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was like the financial advisor who's filed bankruptcy 10 times. Like the guy's terrible with his own money, but he can make you a millionaire. Really it's like, good with that, that yeah. was me, you know? Yeah, you give good advice, but-, but I can't take it. And I couldn't sit in front of the mirror for long enough to let it just actually sink in. Yeah, and sit with those thoughts and those feelings. What would you tell people, mate, who are struggling with something might be similar in their life? Self-sabotage issues, toxic relationships- and putting up those blockages and those walls around abandonment and stuff like that. What do you think are some really simple tips or, or some takeaways that you could give to people? So a few for me that worked for me in my own personal experiences, number one is understand that you have the power of breaking any lineage curse that you may feel was bestowed upon you. You know, I, I always say I was dealt this hand of cards, but that doesn't mean this is the hand I'm going to play life with. I'm going to interchange my cards. Hey, dealer, can I have, uh, give you two? Can you give me two more? You know, that's what I'm going to do to figure out what's the best hand for me. And when you think about it like that, you're like, this isn't in my control. Like, you know, so what are some of the steps, right? To, to regain the control for me, therapy for the win. I always say therapy for the win. Therapy understood me. It was the only place I ever felt like I wasn't being judged. I wasn't being ridiculed. I was able to get everything out without interruption. You know, it used to take me days, weeks to really get into, you know, I can finally explain to you, so say relationship, a romantic relationship, I can explain, explain to my partner how I feel. It used to take a long time. Therapy just waits for it. Just like, take your time. I'm, I'm here, you know, whatever you need, however long you need it. It's creating that safe space. Yeah, it? exactly. And so it also eliminated the suppressing my feelings as well. Cause as a man, it's, it's, and I know you know this, Sam is get over it. It's fine, man up. You know, it's, it's, it's just, who cares, you know, just deal with it kind of thing, you know? And, and so when you have that narrative just drilled into you from a little boy, you subconsciously just start to do that. You know, I'm like, oh, I'll deal with it later or whatever. All, it's all you've learned. It's all I know. You know, you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know that I could actually articulate my feelings and someone would receive them well. I didn't know that. Even if I did back then, I was scared. You're going to judge me? Are you going to, you know what I mean? So I used to have this facade that I wanted everyone to think my life was perfect back, back to what you said earlier. And I was obsessed with that. I was obsessed with the mask, the facade, the highlight reel. And it becomes very tiring though, doesn't it? Because it's, it's, it's a lot so of work. I mean, hundred percent. You can only put on an act for so long. Yeah. And people's lives are, are a lot more complex than one snapshot on social media or something like that, you know, and people have their own journeys and their own stories. And what are some things that are in a relationship and yours is thriving and you're married, it was Shay and, and all this great stuff. 
What are some non-negotiables for you that you practice often? Yeah. Which ensures. Sure. Because like anything in life, relationships aren't always perfect. Right, right. There are ups, there are downs, but what do you feel for you in your life has been like the glue in a relationship or something that really typifies that besides something that would probably fall to the wayside, something that this is this will always work, but what are the things that underpin all that? Yeah, there's a lot. The first thing I would say is my buddy taught me this. He said, um, I had to re-evaluate my relationship with the word relationship. You know, for me, everything had an expiration date. So I was always thinking short term. I was thinking long term and I would tell the woman like, I don't know if you're going to end up being the one that I need you to be kind of thing. And so that was long term, but ultimately it was still short term because I was trying to figure out right now in the moment if this is going to work long term. So I had to change my relationship with the word relationship. And I had to understand that if I'm going to commit to a partner, right, for the first time ever, I have to actually put both feet in and not be one foot in, one foot out. I had to step away from the exit door. Like, Justin, it's okay. This is a safe space. As my wife basically told me without saying, I mean, I I truly felt that. I felt finally I can have a place to. She's been remarkable then with creating that safe space for you so that you can step away from the door. Exactly. Through actions. Through actions, which is the, the most sustainable way you can give something to someone's actions. And so when I changed my relationship with the word relationship, and I realized at the end of the day, I have to start thinking long term, like this is my person. You know, I was so obsessed with like the love story. And then I realized Esther Perel, who's a great marital therapist, she has this great line of people who are just obsessed with the love story don't realize it's, it's actually about the life story, mm. not the love story. And I had to change that as well. So thinking long-term, changing my relationship with the word relationship, understanding that this is a life story. This is my life partner. It's not just my love partner, right? Because the only way to sustain love is growth. Love just doesn't work on its own. You have to work at it. You have to grow with it. All the time. All the time. Every week, every day. People always say marriage is hard. Well, life is hard, but it's as hard as you make it. (laughs) But another thing to go back to, you asked me like, what are some ways people can maybe get out of the self-sabotaging? I wanted to add a couple more things too. Like as hard as it may seem to even fathom opening up and talking about what you're going through with anyone, like your mom, your dad, your, your partner, your friends, your work, whatever the hell the case is. There is no better feeling than being on the other side of vulnerability, to being on the other side of transparency. More specifically, when people feel like they can know you and they can understand you and they can love you and they know you can let love in and you can let help in. I used to have a hard time asking for help. There's nothing more beautiful than that feeling a feeling of community, a feeling of, of like, this person's got my back, I got their back. This person knows, so I feel I know how they feel. Those deeper connections, right? The in-depth relationship, not just the surface relationship. There's no better feeling than, than being on the other side of that. So I really encourage people to really tap into and just understand like, like anything else in life worth having, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy, but just stick to it. Don't suppress anything. Make sure you get it out. I, I, I'm Again, back to the therapy thing. Maybe find a therapist um, if you're with your partner. Just baby steps. It's all about the delivery, right? You can have the greatest message ever to give to somebody. But if the delivery is, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I dropped, I dropped it. You're not going to receive it the way it's supposed to. It's all about the delivery. Go into your situation with whoever it is, with a therapist or your partner or your, or your family, and just say, hey, you know what? I'm, 
I'm kind of going through some stuff. I don't really ha- understand it. You know, you said something um, on your TEDx talk. You said you used to want to problem solve, problem solve, problem solve. Mm-hmm. But not everything needs a solution. No. Sometimes it's just an understanding. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's just like a, maybe I need a different perspective because it's okay to receive that from someone else or an outside source. You know, the cliche saying right now is like, you don't know you need something until you need it kind of thing. You know, maybe someone can give you that. But if you don't allow them to have that type of relationship with you, you're never going to receive that. No, because the space isn't there for it. Exactly. To even exist, which which is always going to make it hard. Yeah. Mate, it's very interesting because life, like you mentioned earlier, it, it is pretty quick. Life isn't as long as we think it is. So we've got to enjoy what we're doing right now. And I think, I think from what I'm hearing you say, I mean, it took you a while to look in the mirror, to ask yourself of honest questions, to own up to some of the things that you hadn't dealt with your entire life. And I believe that we've all got things in life that we need to own up to and take full responsibility for and put our hand up and, and, and ask for help. And that help doesn't necessarily mean speaking to a therapist or asking a friend. Whatever works for you. Whatever works for you, exactly. But I'm a big believer that we must focus on the things that we can control. And it sounds like for you, you had a a very nice turning point in your life where the common denominator was, was something that was in your control where you needed to own up to your own self and have those hard hitting conversations with yourself first, because that's the care that you need to give yourself before you can go out and explore and talk to other people about it because it would help. 100%. 100%. And, and that journey's hard, man. I mean, it's I've been there and I'm still going through my own journey, you know. Journey's never ending. I think it's it, we're all on this roller coaster of life and everyone's on their own path and we can't judge what someone else is doing because they've had to go through what they've done to get to where they are. Totally. And everybody, everybody is shaped by their past experiences. So sometimes people won't have abandonment challenges they might have abuse or something completely different totally totally and then when they grow up they might be very nervous to enter relationships because of that and that's not because they're outright thinking about that it's something that shaped them to feel that way right now so i really love your perspectives and everything justin i think you you nailed it and it's really good to speak to another guy on this topic you know around you know love and relationships and breaking that burden of self-sabotage and we all suffer with it at some level and made I self-sabotage all the time in my professional career. Like, a- am I good enough? Should I be doing this? Similar to what you mentioned off- offline before about imposter syndrome. This all leads to very negative things in life. And I think we've all just got to accept, be proud of where we're at and, and, and know that we're always learning. Yeah. And, and also too, to add to that is like, just because something doesn't go your way, don't just throw the whole experience away. Mm. Everything is a lesson. Like we talked about, if pain is your teacher, that's probably the most valuable lesson you can get. My relationship, as I mentioned before, my wife was the most toxic relationship ever. For a long time, I threw it away. I erased it. I tried to erase it from my memory. And then I started to bring it back to light to try to find the lessons within it so I don't repeat, right? I can repair. And so again, when things don't go your way, don't just say, ah, just throw it away and, and just, just totally erase it from your mind. No, 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 no. Like go back to that, like recycle it, right? Like recycle the trash and, and find the lessons in there, you know? And, and the other thing too is, is at the end of the day, when I said I had a facade and you're like, God, that's, that's exhausting. And it is exhausting. You know what else is exhausting? Holding a grudge and having anger in your heart and in your mind and in your soul, your body, right? I used to hold so much resentment and anger towards my dad and towards my mom. And 
I realized that they did the best they could and it wasn't enough. And that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I forgive them for that. How old are you? I'm 32. 32. I'm 34. When our parents were 32, 34, you think there were podcasts like this? Definitely not. You think therapy was cool no. back then? You think people were, men were being vulnerable back then? Probably not. We can't really fault them. No, exactly. Right? They did the best that they could. It wasn't enough, but that's okay. And that's all they sort of probably knew. So then it goes on to the question, we often can be angry. We can often be resentful towards people. Yeah. But the pain and the frustration that you're putting yourself through, that is tiring, like you said, like a facade. But if you try and flip that perspective around, those people who might have treated you wrong mm -hmm. or haven't done enough, they might not have known anything else, but it goes deeper than that. They might have had their own challenges in their life growing up as young kids. And that's why they're doing that because in their mind, they might have thought that was the best thing to do. Like, we don't know why your dad bailed. Like, well, I don't, for example. And and let's say, for example, if, if I was going through that right now, maybe he thought that he was doing the right thing for you because he might have felt like he couldn't support you. So he just didn't want to be around because that might have broken your heart or something, you know? Like recently I've been really bad with changing my perspectives in life. I sort of slipped into automatic negative thought thinking, which isn't helpful. So I'm starting to unpack all that and putting a positive spin on it again. I've caught myself being extremely unkind to myself. And these changing perspectives and losing grudges and changing your frustrations and focusing your energy on the things that mean well and our forgiveness and giving people love, showing people love that are mean or angry or frustrated because that's all human beings really want. They don't want anger. They don't want frustration, but sometimes that's all they know how to show. Even underneath all that is real love. Real love. You repeat what you don't repair. My father was repeating. Mm-hmm. Instead of repairing. Exactly. That's all he knew. Exactly. You don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so again, it's, it's forgiveness. You're right. It's all back to love. And I have found you can't just throw away something that didn't go your way. I used to have all these questions from my parents and they didn't have answers. And I was like, but I know you have the answers, right? Then I realized, well, maybe they can't give me the advice that I'm craving, but you know what they can give me, whether they like it or not, because that's what they've given me anyway, their mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to learn from your mistakes and not repeat it with my own daughter, with my future kids. I know how it feels to not have my mom or dad show up to my basketball game. I won't do that with my daughter. I know how it feels to try to be vulnerable in a moment and it gets shut down. I won't do that with my kids. I know what not to do <laughs> more so than really what I do know what to do. You've recycled it. Recycled it. And that's the greatest lesson of life. It, I love the outlook that you have on challenges because Thanks, man. we all don't have that. Not everyone has that. And again, it's not because they don't want that. It's just the brain is a muscle, man. And it needs to learn these things to understand and adapt and grow and build and, and work with this stuff. And some people have never, they, they don't work on their brain like people work on their physical health. And that's why we must always make it clear that physical health and mental health are both just as important as one another and they both complement one another. And I couldn't agree more with that statement. And I, and mate, well it's said. Been a real pleasure having you on the podcast. Oh, it's been an honor, man. Thank you. Loved it all, mate. There's no doubt. We're going to help people grow through this last 45, 50 minutes. How can people track you down, man, and follow your journey? 
and jump on your podcast and listen to your life. I appreciate that. So yeah, the podcast is called Who Can Relate? It's on all podcast platforms. I also film. So it's on YouTube. You can just either put in Just Davis 88 or Who Can Relate? I'm sure it'll pop up. Instagram is Mr. Just Davis. So M-R-J-U-S-T-D-A-V-I-S. I think in Australia, Davis is Davies. I think they spell with I-E-S. Because in, in England they do. But anyways, it's just Davis. Um, and the other thing I want to say too is, is like if anyone is listening or watching and this really resonates or relates to you, I know you'll reach out to Sam, but, but don't be afraid to reach out to me. I, when I get all these beautiful messages from everyone and when I not only read them, but then respond, they're like, I can't believe you read it. I can't believe you responded. I'm like, of course. I, how am I going to have a show called Who Can Relate? And I'm not going to relate to you. You know what I mean? So I don't bite. Don't be, don't be scared. You heard it, guys. You heard it. Reach out. Hit Justin up directly. We'll share all these details in the show notes links to his podcast link to his youtube and all that sort of great stuff yeah man keep up the great work i'm mean, it's a pleasure to meet you man and uh i, I reckon we're on the same journey in a lot of regards yes, so i'm looking forward to doing more work with you thanks brother appreciate big, it big love man thank you again for listening in to another episode of it ain't week to speak please like share and spread the love to as many people as you can let people know that you subscribe to the show Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at livin.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but in the meantime, stay well, keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you and have a top day. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.